بسم الله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه ومن والاه إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فهو المهتد ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله وبعد Alhamdulillah, we finished three chapters of, of Kitab al-Tawheed and inshallah today we, we're going to start our fourth chapter, bi-idhnillah, the fourth chapter, Bab al-Khawfu min al-Shirk, Bab al-Khawfu min al-Shirk, the fear of shirk or the fear of falling into shirk. Alright, quickly we'll look at the chapter first. Bab al-Khawfu min al-Shirk, al-Khawfu min al-Shirk, to fear, to fear falling into shirk. To fear falling into shirk. And if we were to look at the relevance of the chapter to the book, for after the, the mu'allif, after the author, he mentioned the obligation of tawheed. And then he mentioned the virtues of tawheed. And then he mentioned how you can perfect your tawheed. It was appropriate for him to mention the fear of falling into the opposite of tawheed. But just because you have perfected your tawheed, مثلاً, or you know your tawheed, that doesn't mean you're not going to fall into shirk. When you know that it is possible for you to fall into shirk in any one of the levels of shirk, then you will, you will fear. You will fear this and you will be aware of this. And subhanAllah, they said that this follows on from the pre- previous chapter, يعني, the tahqiq al-tawheed. Because the believer, subhanAllah, يعني, they could become complacent. They say, I know my tawheed. I know how to perfect my tawheed. I know what is required for tawheed. And then subhanAllah, the insan... As we'll come to see, majbool. They love praising, other people praising them. They like that people to appreciate them. They like people to appreciate them. And they like to be mentioned in good things. Insan is naturally, a blowing, يعني, this is how they are majboolin. Inside his, inside his ibadah, this subtle, this shirk al-azgar, as we'll come to see, enters their ibadah. And then they, they no longer perfecting their tawheed. For it is very easy for you to fall into a shirk al-azgar. And as the 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 the, the, the ulama of before said, ma alaj to shayan. I have never, yani, tried to treat something so hard. Yeah, ma alaj to shayan. Ashadu alayya min niyyati with my intention. Yani, I'm always struggling with my niyyah. I'm always struggling with my niyyah and making sure that's the correct intention, because the niyyah, if it's wrong, it could enter you into minor shirk, and ربما it could also enter you into major shirk. And like we said, yani, subhanallah, yani, just because you know tawheed. And just because, مثلاً, you know the, the masail of tawheed, are you guaranteed that you're not going to fall into shirk? Who can guarantee that they're not going to fall into shirk? So, subhanAllah, you know the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يعني الرجل يعمل بعمل أهل الجنة The person does from the amal of أهل الجنة ما يكون بينها وبين إلا ذراع Between him and Jannah is a handspan. ويسبخ عليه كتابه فيعمل من عمل أهل النار فيدخلها And he does from the amal of أهل النار and they will enter into the nar. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save us from being such a thing. That all these years we are worshipping Allah, and then the last thing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has decreed, that we enter the hellfire. And whoever is truthful with Allah, inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will save them. Let's keep your, your intentions sincere with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But here, subhanallah, it's, it's almost become يعني, the obligation of fearing falling into shirk. And he should have called the chapter wujub. Because subhanallah, if you're not fearing shirk, as they say, لا يأمن الشرك إلا مشرك. That the person who, who doesn't fear shirk is safe from, from shirk is, is the mushrik himself. Whereas the muwahid is always what? Fearful that will fall into shirk. وَلَا يَأْمَنُ النِّفَاقِ إِلَّا مُنَافِقِ 
And the one who is, he says, no, 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 I don't need to be scared about Muna. They're the ones who are in the ayn of the nifaq. They are the ones in the ayn of the nifaq. So we have to be careful of this mas'ala. Yani we should fear falling into shirk. And it's many categories that there are that can fall into shirk, as we'll come to say, inshallah. And yani we should just quickly remember, yani just go over the, the two categories of shirk, because it's very important in this chapter. Shirk akbar, shirk al-akbar, wa shirk al-azhar. What's a shirk al-akbar? Major shirk, sah. What's major shirk? Giving the right of Allah to something other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which necessitates the departure of this person from the fold of Islam. Is that clear? And you give the right, something which is exclusive to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you give it to someone else who is not deserving of it, and this necessitates that you are now outside the fold of Islam. Because the dalil has shown that you are outside the fold of Islam. Mathalan, prostrating to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or making tawaf around a grave, or making dua to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in something that they cannot give you, and having your heart attached to Allah, fearing other than someone other than Allah, the fear that should only be for Allah, and similarly loving, loving something, Yani the love that you should only love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of these are forms of shirk that will take you outside the fold of Islam. So you have to be careful about this. And then the shirk al-azghar, same definition. Yani giving yani the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to something, yani wrongfully giving it to something which does not necessitate this person is outside the fold of Islam. Which does not necessitate that this person is outside the fold of Islam. I will come to say this, we gave the example of Mother Ar-Riyah, as we'll come to say, just because a person commits riyah, they are still giving the rights of Allah to someone else, but that doesn't mean that they are outside the fold of Islam. So it all goes back to the dalil. When we say al-khawf min al-shirk, the person is required to feed both of these. Not they just feed the, the shirk al-akbar and say, ah, shirk al-asghar is just, yani, it's just a little bit lower, yani, it's okay. It's just minor. They should never approach it like this at all, subhanAllah. They should feed falling into minor shirk as well. Because subhanAllah, it wasn't called minor shirk because it's, it's lesser in, in evil. It is still as evil as major shirk. It is still shirk. But the reason why they called it minor shirk was to differentiate in the ruling of it or in the effects of it. For the major shirk definitely takes you outside the fold of Islam, whereas minor shirk does not take you outside the fold of Islam. But you've got to be careful because you're right on the edge. You're right on the edge. You have to be very careful. وَقَوْلِهِ تَعَالَىٰ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَن يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَن in Surah An-Nisa, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Verily Allah forgives not that partner should be set up with him in worship, but he forgives except that anything else to whom he pleases. Inna allaha la yaghfiru, la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi, wa yaghfiru ma duna thalika liman yasha. Alright, so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna allaha la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is negating that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never forgive the person who commit shirk in him. Does that mean in the dunya, if a person commits shirk, khalas, that's it, finished for them? That's it, khalas, no more chances? So this is, jazakallah khair, this is, this is all talking about when a person dies, as we'll come to say in some of the hadith, that if a person dies upon shirk, and they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yawm al-qiyamah, the shirk al-akbar, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, despite his immense mercy, inna rahmati, يعني, my rahmah is, is, has preceded my ghadab and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive any other sins as we'll come to say you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with shirk then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not forgive you if it is major shirk there is no forgiveness there is not even a, a morsel of, 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 of rahmah for you from the rahmah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yes and this is the shahid from the, the ayah as we'll come to say and then the second one is 
and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive anything below that. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, any sin which is below that, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yawm al-qiyamah, we call this, tahtil mashia wa yaghfiru ma duna thalika liman yasha, liman yasha, to whomever he wills. This is called tahtil mashia. For a person knows their tawheed, person knows their tawheed, and they worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon tawheed, but their nafs is very weak. Yes, they follow their nafs. Or they fell into the trap of they consumed riba. Or they committed zina. Or they drank alcohol. Any one of these kabair. Or they accused the chaste women of what, of zina. For these are all from the kabair of the dhunub. But if they met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they were upon tawheed, they met Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we say they are taht al They are under the mashia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Insha'a ghafara lahum. If he wills, he will, he will forgive them. And if he wills, he will not forgive them. For they are still under the Mashia. But the person who commits shirk, are they under the Mashia? If he wills, he will forgive them. If he wills, there's no will here. There's no Mashia for these people. They are straight away in the hellfire. Straight away in the hellfire. Alright, now the question is, Inna allaha la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. Does this include major shirk only? Or does this include minor shirk as well? Think of the implications here. Does this include major shirk? It definitely includes major shirk, but does it include minor shirk as well? Yani if you committed minor shirk yawm al-qiyamah, are you taht al-mashiyah or not? This is the question. There is actually a big difference of opinion. Hatta they even said that Kalam ibn Taymiyyah in this regard, kana muttarib. Sometimes he says they are under the mashiyah, sometimes he says they are not under the mashiyah. But ala kul hal, ala kul al-hal. If they are under the mashiyah, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chooses not to forgive them, then they will enter the hellfire, but they will eventually come out from it. Similarly, if they are not under the Mashiach, if they are not under the Mashiach, they will enter the hellfire, but they will not stay in there for eternity. If shirk al-azghar is not under the Mashiach, what does the ayah say? Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. Any shirk, shirk azghar or shirk akbar, he will not forgive it. So shirk akbar, we've, we already know that he's not going to forgive it. But is the shirk asghar, if, if he doesn't forgive it, it's not under the Mashiach, that means they will still enter the hellfire. On a al qiyamah, a person comes with shirk asghar. They, they showed off in one of their salah, مثلاً, and they done all of their salah for someone other than Allah. Subhanahu wa they come with yawm al-qiyamah with this shirk asghar. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, this is not under the Mashiach, you have to enter the hellfire. Straight into the hellfire. But this entering into the hellfire, because this shirk asghar doesn't take you outside the fold of Islam, it doesn't mean what? That they will be in the hellfire for... Forever. If they are taht al-mashi'ah, on the other side, وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ Then what? Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can choose to forgive them, and He can choose to punish them for it. But عَلَى كُلْ حَال We said that this whole chapter is about fearing al-shirk al-azghar and al-shirk al-akbar. So we try to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala without any one of these shirks so that we don't fall under this mas'ala. We don't fall under this mas'ala whether we are under the Mashiach or not under the Mashiach. Mashiach. مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ What is below that? لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ يَشَاءَ مَشِيئَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ To whomever he wills. So if he wills, he will forgive them. If he wills, he will not forgive them. They are under the Mashiach, they call it. لِمَنْ يَشَاءَ يعني to, to whomever he wills. For whoever he wills, he forgives their sins. And whoever doesn't, for the ones who he doesn't, who he forgives their sins, مثلا, the person who comes with the kabira and he forgives their sins, 
This is from the fadl of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's from the grace and from the bounty. Imagine a person comes having yani, taken the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they have sinned and, 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 and Allah, they come to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them for their sins. Whereas anta subhanallah, don't meet Allah with kabair. Don't meet Allah with kabair and hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive you. And don't rely on this because it's very easy for an insan yattakil or to rely on this. And if he does not forgive them, then this is from his hikmah. From his hikmah, from his wisdom, he says that this person is not deserving of my forgiveness. This goes to the father and the hikmah. And this goes against the ones, mathalan, who always say, Subhanallah, why, why is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, mathalan, if he loves and he's merciful, why is he punishing people in the hellfire? Don't question. Don't question. Allah is not asked about what he does and what he doesn't do. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does. All you have to do is obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, the relevance of the ayah to the chapter. When you know the, the, the punishment of this person, what will happen to you? This fear will be built inside your heart. You say, if I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with shirk, if it's shirk akbar, he's not going to forgive me. If it's shirk asghar, he, يعني, if he doesn't forgive me, I'm going to enter the hell. يعني, it's under the, يعني, the difference of opinion. Whether he will forgive me or not forgive me. But this one, when you know that he will enter you into hellfire regardless, this one should what? It should breed. The fear inside your heart of shirk. When you read this ayah, It's like, مثلاً, you're threatening your child. You say, if you do not do this, I'm going to do such and such and such thing to you. What will happen to the child? They will be fearful of this thing. They will be fearful of doing this thing. When you, when you, when you outline the punishment of something, then it builds the fear in the hearts of the people. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done. In Allah, Allah is informing us that he will never forgive the person who meets him upon shirk and he may forgive what is below that. وَقَوْلِ الْخَلِيلِ وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ أَنْ نَعْبُدَ الْأَصْنَامِ So this is a dua that Ibrahim alayhi salam made. That Ibrahim alayhi salam made. And al-Khalil, it's not mentioned here, but al-Khalil is the one who has reached the highest levels of love. This is what a khalil is, the highest levels of love. And Ibrahim salam was the khalil of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took him as his khalil. And when we say that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hates, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala laughs, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased, then all of this is what? From the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We don't ask how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took Ibrahim as his khalil. But he took him as his khalil, because he said he took him as his khalil. We don't ask how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved Ibrahim. We said that he took him as his khalil. No more questions asked about that. So the dua that Ibrahim alayhi salam said, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ وَجْنُبْنِي essentially means from the word janab. Means a side. It means a side. Yani put me on one side and put the asnam or the idols on the other side. Yani essentially put me, yani make there a great distance between me and the asnam. Make a great distance between me and the asnam. Wajnubni. This is the dua that the Prophet, the Prophet Ibrahim alayhi salam made. Al-asnam, what are al-asnam? Idols, huh? Can we give a more, يعني, something more definite definition of what al-sanam is? And they said al-sanam is anything which is sculpted into the shape of a human or the shape of an animal. And then it is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this was prevalent in the time of Ibrahim alayhi salam. This is why he mentioned it specifically in his dua. This is why he said, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ And save me and my, or keep me away and my, and my progeny and my sons from the worship of idols, of Al-Asnam. Because the idols were prevalent in his time. Hatta even his father, Azar, he was from who? 
يعني the top manufacturer of أصنام. فإذا وجنبني وبنية أن نعبد الأصنام. The difference between a صنم and a وثن. A وثن is more general. A وثن is more general. For the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تجعل قبري وثنا يعبد. He made a dua. Ya Allah, do not make my grave when I die a wathan which is worshipped. So a wathan is anything which is worshipped besides Allah and it includes a sanam. So it's general. It can be animate or inanimate or it could be a representation or it could be something يعني, that doesn't have a physical representation. It could be anything, subhanAllah. A wathan which is worshipped besides Allah subhanahu ta'ala. Well, with subhanAllah, يعني, the general meaning of the hadith is what is very straightforward. يعني, the Ibrahim alayhi salam. Who was Ibrahim alayhi salam? The Khalil of, of the Rahman. An Imam al-Hunafa, the Imam of the Hunafa. What do you say al-Hanif was? The one who inclines towards Tawheed and is disinclined towards Shirk and doesn't go towards Shirk. He was the Imam of the Hunafa, yani the Imam of the Muhyiddin. Was Ibrahim alayhi salam. And what was he doing? And he made a dua that what? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves him and his progeny from the worship of, of idols. He's essentially asking, making a dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saves him from falling into shirk by, by, by worshipping the idols. Five, we can obviously take the relevance of the ayah to the chapter very clear. That if Ibrahim salam, was making this dua and that he feared that he would fall under the influence of the asnam and that his children would fall under the influence of asnam and he made this dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save him then what about those who are below him? Shouldn't those below him in status be also fearful of falling into shirk? Should they not be fearful of falling into shirk? They should be fearful of falling into shirk. And this dua, subhanAllah, when he says, وَجْنُبْنِي وَبَنِيَّ This baniya here is the plural form. Is the plural. And how many sons did Ibrahim السلام, have? Two sons. So it's not in the dual form, it's in the, in the plural. So the, the, the Mufassirun said, when he says, Wabaniya, it's not just talking about his sons. He's talking about his progeny, the ones after him. Yani his sons and then his grandson and his great-grandson. Ila akhiri, down the line. And this dua was not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It was accepted in him and his sons. But people down the line in his progeny, they were not accepted. They were not accepted. And this is the same as the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When he made dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the, the, the ba's of the ummah. Yani the, the, the strength of the ummah should not be implemented amongst itself. For this dua of the Prophet was not accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For the Muslims fight amongst each other. And in the, in the history page, if you look at the history of the Muslims, this, this, this dawla fought this dawla. And they killed the Muslims and it was amongst them. And subhanAllah, the ba's was between them, subhanAllah, it remained between them. And Rubbama, the biggest destruction of the ummah was inside of it when they were fighting amongst themselves. For this dua wasn't accepted. The same thing with this dua. It was accepted in Ibrahim السلام, and his immediate children, يعني Ismail and Ishaq, was down the line. In his progeny, it was not accepted because there were people who were not the, from the Muhyiddin. Who were not from the Muhyiddin. يعني if we go back, يعني the relevance of the ayah to the, the chapter, يعني Ibrahim السلام, made this dua and he was the Imam of the Hunafa because he feared falling into shirk. He, fought, he feared falling into shirk. What about us? Should we not be fearful of shirk as well? وفي الحديث أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أخوف ما أخاف عليكم الشرك الأصغر أخوف ما أخاف عليكم الشرك الأصغر فسئل عنه فقال الرياء وتعفي ماس فيو. This is not a very good translation. Is a form of shirk. 
right down the minor shirk. Ashirk al Azgar. Where is Azgar? How does that become a form? Fasu'ila anhu, he was asked about it. He said, Arriya or showing off. He said, Arriya or showing off. And this hadith is in Al Musnad al Imam Ahmad. And the grading of it is Hassan. It is. It is Hassan. And the Sahabi of the hadith is Mahmud ibn Labid. Mahmud ibn Labid. He doesn't mention the Sahabi, the, the author. So here the Prophet وسلم, is addressing the Muslimin. He's saying, Akhwafu, the thing of all the things which can be feared, the thing which I fear the most for you, how many things there are to fear? How many things can you fear? And the Prophet Yani there is many things I fear for you, but yani the greatest thing that I fear for you is this. Is a shirk al asghar Is that you would fall into a shirk al asghar And then when he was asked about it, he said, What is it? He said, It's a riya. He said, A riya. As for the kafir, do they fear that they will fall into shirk? They are kuffar anyways. already. Yes, so when he's addressing, he's addressing the believing men and women. The thing which I fear for you the most is that you will fall into shirk. Whereas, like we said, the kafir and the, the mushrik, they will never fall for him. They're already mushrikin. They are already mushrikin. They have nothing to fear. Or to show off. So you can give us a definition of riya. Any ibadah which is made apparent so that people look at you and they appreciate you and they praise you as a result of this ibadah. And like we said, this is majbur. The insan rubbama yakun majbur alayha. That the insan is very easy for them to fall into this. This is why the Prophet ﷺ was most fearful of it. Because it can destroy your amal without you even knowing it. It can destroy your amal without even knowing it. And then subhanAllah, Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah, he makes some very precise kind of categorizations. He says that riyak can be divided in your amal. When you commit riyak in your amal, it can be divided into two categories. He said the first one, is where you only get up to perform this ibadah riya'an. Yani you don't get up to pray, or you don't fast, or you don't give sadaqah, or you don't do anything, except to what? Except to show off. Yani it started off yani on the wrong foot, as they say. He said this one, the, the ruling on this one is what? Mardud. It is rejected. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reject it. It is not accepted. Habita amaluhu, just the amal that he was in. If he gave a sadaqah so that people can see him and say, MashaAllah, this person is very rich, will that sadaqah be accepted from him? No. If he got up to pray, just so that people can say, MashaAllah, look how he prays. Just like the Prophet look how he puts his hands and look how he straightens his shoulders and look and look and look. Will, they be, will this be accepted from him? It will not be accepted from him. And this goes against one of the pillars of ibadah. And this is al-ikhlas because your ibadah is no longer for Allah. It's to please someone else. It is to please someone else. And then the second one is where you started the ibadah, you started the ibadah, and then halfway through the ibadah, the riyah entered. مثلاً. You're praying مثلاً, in the masjid by yourself, and then mashallah, someone came in, and mashallah, the, all of a sudden you said, I've got to better, better improve my salah a little bit, I better raise my hands and straighten myself. And it came in you halfway through your salah. So it started off with ikhlas for the sake of Allah, and then halfway, this is where it started. He said, This one is another two categories. If you fight it off, and you return back, that even though it happened inside your salah or any other ibadah, then it is still accepted. Because you fought it off and you continued your salah with a state of ikhlas, yani doing your amal for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But mathalan, if you started your ibadah and then halfway through, and then it kept on going and going and going, all the way to the end, it was full of riyah, then this one what? 
then this one is rejected. Even though it started with ikhlas, but it ended with riya, then this one is what? Is categorically rejected and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept it. So then the, the general meaning of the hadith, yani the, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, min shafaqatihi ala al-umma, from his shafaq of his ummah, there was no khair illa dallahum alayhi. There was no goodness except that he guided them towards it. And there was no shar and evil except that he warned them against it. That he warned them against it. So every good, the Prophet ﷺ told us about it. And every evil, the Prophet ﷺ told us about it so we can avoid it. And from this evil is what? Is a shirk al-azhar. He warned us against a shirk al-azhar. And as like we said, that the people intuitively like being praised by others. And it may easily affect them. It comes in very sneakily. And you have to always, like we said, the ulama always said, I never fought anything as hard as I did as my intention, correcting my intention. And when they say correcting my intention, I'm making my intention for the sake of Allah and not intending for this amal anything besides Allah. Not the praise of people or for people to look at me or to, or to show off to anyone. or to. For this one, you have to be very careful. And then he said, subhanAllah, the, the people, they intuitively like being praised. The believers, this could easily affect the believers. But مثلا, shirk al-akbar, the da'i, the thing, is not as subtle it is with shirk al-azhar. For you to commit a shirk al-akbar, a major shirk, Mathalan, you go and make dua to someone else, or you go around a qabr, or you, you go, it's a big step to reach that. It's a big step to reach that. And for the believing Muslim, they might appreciate this, and you might, يعني, subhanAllah, they, they run away from it. يعني, major shirk, when they know, they run away from it naturally. يعني, this is the believing, the believer. But the shirk al-azhar, why he feed it the most, is because it's so subtle. It is so subtle that a person should show off in their ibadah. And he called that shirk al-azhar. And he called it, Ashirk al-Azhar, and obviously this one, this one, يعني, there's a clear, a clear, يعني, mutabaqa to the tarjama. This is exactly as the tarjama. Al-Khawfu min al-Shirk. There's the mention of al-Khawf. Akhwafu ma akhafu alaykum. Ashirk al-Azhar. So that means we should fear al-Shirk. So the previous two ayat were in al-Shirk al-Akbar, and this one is in what? Ashirk al-Azhar. So this goes to show us that we should fear al-Shirk al-Akbar, and we should also fear al-Shirk al-Azhar. وعن ابن مسعود رضي الله عنه قال من مات وهو يدعو من دون الله ندا دخل النار من مات وهو يدعو من دون الله ندا دخل النار ابن مسعود said whoever dies while ascribing partners to Allah enters the hellfire this is again another not a, not a good translation but من مات وهو يدعو يدعو is the key word here yes يدعو so, if I just made dua, when we say dua, what, do we, what comes to our mind? Ya Allah, forgive me, Ya Allah, have mercy on me. This dua, yes, dua al mas'ala, this one is called. This one is called dua al mas'ala. But there's also something called dua al ibadah. That any act of worship is a form of dua. Any act of worship is a form of dua. So, this one covers dua al mas'ala and dua al ibadah. It covers both of them. That yad'u min dunillah. That means in your ibadah, you ascribe partners to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And in your dua, يعني, the mas'ala, you call someone besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And how common is this mas'ala? This is very common, subhanAllah. They call the saints and the dead people, thinking that they can benefit them. And subhanAllah, subhanAllah if they were dead, they would have benefited themselves by not dying in the first place. How, how do you call these people and leave the calling of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? من مات وهو من مات وهو يدعو يدعو that means they ascribing partners to Allah من دون الله ندا النيد 
is something which is comparable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You make this thing comparable to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or a mathil, or someone which is similar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You give them a share of your ibadah in this case. This is why it's called a nid. A counterpart or a mathil or something resembling Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Subhanallah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Prophet informs us that whoever makes a counterpart to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is what? Is going to put them in where? And they meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Man mata. Again, this is evidence that the person who dies upon this, then this is what will happen to them. But if they, if they seek forgiveness before then, if they seek forgiveness, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah forgive them. If they see the errors of their way and they make istighfar from their shirk, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will inshallah forgive them. Here he said, he's a man mata. That means whoever dies upon this state of shirk, then what? Then they will enter into the hellfire. However, there's two types of taking a nid besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this goes back to major and minor shirk. It goes back to major and minor shirk, that you take a counterpart, that you take something equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in your acts of worship. This one is what? Shirkun akbar, the major shirk, it removes you. Or the other one is that you take a nid besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which does not remove you from the fold of Islam. For Mathalan, the Prophet sallallahu when the man came to him, he said, ma sha Allah wa ma shi'at. He said, ma sha Allah wa ma shi'at. He said, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills, and you will as well, ya Rasulullah. For the Prophet sallallahu said, aja'altani lillahi niddan. He said, have you made me what? A nid. Have you made me a counterpart to Allah? Have you put my will, yani my, my, my will, with the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, قُلْ مَا شَاءَ اللَّهُ ثُمَّ مَا شِئْتُ Then say, whatever Allah wills, then after that is your will. Don't put your will with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. For he committed a mind. We're going to see this, chap- this chapter as well. There's a special chapter on this one. The al-fad, the, the things you say, which are minor shit, which don't take you outside the fold of Islam. But this one is, is, is making a nid with Allah, but it is minor shirk. It is. Minish, it doesn't take you outside the fold of Islam. The relevance of this of this one and the next hadith, they're, they're, they're very similar. So he said, when you know when you know that, subhanAllah, the, the punishment of taking a nid besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know that this thing will lead you to Jahannam. Shouldn't you be scared of this? Anything which leads you to Jahannam, you should be fearful of it. Anything which leads you to Jahannam should be fearful of it. And especially this one, if you, if you die upon يعني, associating partners with Allah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will... Will enter into the hellfire. Will enter you into the hellfire. If it was Akbar, he will enter you into the hellfire. If it was Asghar, according to the, the Khilaf, whether he's under the Mashiach or not under the Mashiach, he will either enter the hellfire or he will not enter the hellfire. Wafil hadith, and the next hadith, and Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, Man laqiya Allah la yushriku bihi shay'an dakhla al jannah, wa man laqiyahu yushriku bihi shay'an dakhla al nar. That Jabir ibn Abdullah radiallahu anhu, he said, whoever meets Allah, on the day of judgment, not having associated any with him in worship, shall enter paradise. And whoever meets him having committed shirk in any way will enter the hellfire. Jabir ibn Abdullah ibn Haram. Jabir ibn Abdullah is from the Muqthirin of al-Hadith. From the Muqthirin. He was one of the Sahaba who narrated a lot of ahadith. Jabir ibn Abdullah, Sahabi, ibn Sahabi. He was the Sahabi, the son of a Sahabi. So his father was also a Sahabi. So that's why we say, radiyallahu anhuma. And subhanAllah, he was from the, subhanAllah, one of the great Sahaba. And subhanAllah, he died in the year 70 Hijri and he was 94 years of, of, 94 years of age. Radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. He said, man Allah, this is like man mata. Man Allah, whoever meets Allah is like the one who, who dies. Yes, when do you meet Allah? 
when you die. When you die. Yani when you meet Allah for your accountability. After you die, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to call you to account for your deeds. So this is when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with shirk. What will happen? If you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not having associated partners with him, what will happen? They will enter Jannah. They will enter Jannah. How will they enter Jannah? Initially or eventually? They will enter Jannah. If they have ma'asi and dhunub, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are under the mashiach. Whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives them or they will enter into the hellfire first and then eventually they will enter Jannah. So subhanahu wa said again, this is the virtue of tawheed, that you will enter Jannah regardless. That you will enter Jannah regardless. But don't say, I will enter Jannah regardless because subhanahu you will not enter what? You will enter initially. Don't say, regardless is good enough for me. Allah is not good enough for you. How will he enter the hellfire? Either eternally or temporarily. Either eternally or temporarily. For if it was Shirk Akbar, they will enter it what? Eternally. And if it was what? If it was Mathalan Shirk Asghar, they will enter it temporarily. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't choose to forgive them. And then the general meaning of the, uh, the, the relevance of the hadith to the, to the chapter, straightforward subhanAllah. He said, yeah, subhanAllah, whatever necessitates, the, whatever necessitates the entry into the hellfire, that a person should be fearful of it. That a person should be fearful of it. If you know that this thing is going to enter you into the hellfire, should you not be fearful of it? And the, subhanAllah, the recent bushfires that happened in Australia, subhanAllah, they took all the precautions they could to make sure, subhanAllah, that the fire doesn't reach them. Because they knew that when the fire came to them, what would happen? It would destroy them, subhanAllah. It would destroy them. This is the nar of the dunya. This is the nar, the fire of the dunya. How much, how, how much cautions do you take? Even in the sunnah, the Prophet ﷺ tells us to take caution. He says, subhanAllah, to take off the lamps, the lamps that are fire in the night, take them off. Take them off before you go to sleep. Because the, the damage that they can cause while you are in a state of heedlessness, while you are asleep, it could cause great fire, it could destroy the whole house, subhanAllah. But even in the sunnah, we should take caution of the fire of the dunya. What about the fire of the akhirah? What about the fire of the akhirah? which is 70 times hotter than the hottest fire of this dunya. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to save us from the hellfire. رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنًا وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنًا وَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ يعني يَقِنَا عَذَابَ النَّارِ to save us from the hellfire, both eternally and temporarily as well. And make us from those who enter Jannah initially, even if our hisab is, is hisab yasir. Alright, we'll look at the quick issue, the, the, the issues, the important issues of the chapter. So these are now the important issues of the chapter, and this chapter only has 11 of them. Yeah, so they're pretty straightforward, inshallah. So the first one is the fear of shirk. The fear of shirk. And this one is clear from the two, first two ayat. The first two ayat that he mentions. Inna Allah, when you read, Inna Allah la yaghfiru an yushraka bihi. And you die upon shirk. And then there's that difference of opinion whether shirk al-azhar is included or not. Don't say, subhanAllah, that I'm going to just enter Jahannam just for a little bit. It's okay, I'm going to go to Jannah. Wallahi, this is not a thought that any Muslim should have, subhanAllah. Say, I don't want to enter Jahannam at all. I don't want to enter it at all. I want to enter Jannah first. First, without having to go to Jahannam. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us from them. Ameen, Ya Rabb. So he said, the first one is the fear of shirk. Yani when you read this ayah and when you read that Ibrahim alayhi salam feared shirk, are you better than Ibrahim alayhi salam when we've been told to follow his example? If Ibrahim is, alayhi salam is fearing shirk, should we fear shirk as well? But this is the fear of shirk. And then he said, showing off a riyah is a type of shirk. As per the hadith of Mahmud ibn Labid, he said that yani showing off the hadith of the Prophet. It is to show off. 
And then the, second, the third one is showing off is a lesser type of shirk, yani the minor shirk. And this is again from the, the hadith. And then the question is, مثلاً, can, can, this, can this showing off, can it reach the level of a shirk al-akbar? And then they said that the way that the, this, this riyak can lead to the major shirk, is subhanAllah, if the person, all their deeds are done to show off. But ala kulha, subhanAllah, they said, the Shaykh ibn Uthameen, he said, مثلاً, a person, all their a'mal, مثلاً, just say in their whole life they have salat and zakat and, and what's another ibadah, and qira'at Qur'an, yes, and they read Qur'an. And مثلاً, in all these three actions, they committed shirk azgar. They said, this guy is mushrik, there's no, there's no amal for him. Not being excited, he's outside the fold of Islam. But he said, مثلاً, if it was only two of them, only two of them he committed shirk azgar in, and there was one of them that was still for the sake of Allah, then he's still in the fold of Islam. Alright, the fourth one is, falling into minor shirk is more faithful to the righteous and pious people than other matters because of the ease one can fall into it due to being it so subtle. And this is straightforward, subhanAllah. SubhanAllah, because it enters into the heart ever so subtly, because of the nature of the insan, they like to be praised. They like to be praised. And like we always gave the example of the, of the ulama, Sufyan ibn Uyayna, I used to say, that means I've never fought and struggled with something so hard upon me than my intention. Than my intention. SubhanAllah, every ibadah that you do, imagine every ibadah that you have to, you have to revise your intention. That this is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is not for the sake of anyone else. And I'm not doing it for the, to show off. And I'm not doing... And Rubama, we said that riya remember we said about riya it can enter into the ibadah halfway through. Mathalan, you start your ibadah all for the sake of Allah and then the shaitan comes to you. You see someone, mathalan, walk into the masjid, mathalan, and you, you fix up your salah and it becomes riyah halfway through. And we said if it continues all the way through, then all your salah is batil. Even if you started with sincerity. But mathalan, if you fought yourself and you retained your sincerity to Allah, then inshallah your ibadah is accepted. But this is very subtle, subhanAllah. It's very hard for you to maintain a, yani, a sincerity to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and not to show off. Fifth, the, neen, the nearness of paradise and hell. The nearness of paradise and hell. Qurb al-Jannah wal-Nar. Man Allah. Whoever meets Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know when you're going to die, when you're going to meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? You don't know. This is how close it is. This is how close Jannah and Nar is. It's just when your breath goes, this is how close Jannah and Nar is. This is how close Jannah and Nar is. And as the Prophet sallallahu said, when the person dies, that their grave is what? Is rawda min riyadil jannah or hufar min hufarin nar. This is how close jannah and nar are. Just you need to die and then this is how close it is. This is how close it is. Man laqiya Allah, whoever meets Allah. When do you meet Allah? You meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you die, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala calls you to account. Is that clear? The hadith says whoever meets Allah. The meeting of Allah could be any time. Could be any time. But Rabbama, we finish this halaqa and subhanAllah someone dies. You don't know subhanAllah when your ajal is. Does anyone know when they're going to die? No one knows. So the nearness of paradise and hell. And then the sixth one is a combination of the nearness of paradise and hell has been stated in the same hadith. And that's the same hadith. مَنْ لَقِيَ اللَّهِ لَا يُشْرِكُ بِي شَيْءًا دَخَلَ الْجَنَّةِ وَمَنْ لَقِيَهُ وَهُوَ يُشْرِكُ بِي شَيْءًا دَخَلَ النَّارِ So he mentioned them both in the same hadith. And that seven, whoever meets Allah on the day of judgment, having associated nothing with, with him, shall enter paradise. And whoever dies while committing shirk with Allah in any way shall enter hell, even though he might have been a great worshipper. Even though he has been a great worshipper. So enter subhanAllah, you worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you're committing shirk azgar, or you're committing even shirk akbar. 
تتعجب سبحان الله. You go around the Muslim world today, سبحان الله. People are committing شر أكبر. And you see him, ما شاء الله, he's still persistent on his five daily salah, and he's still giving his zakat, and he's still praying قيام الليل, and he's still and what? And he is committing shirk in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He's calling others besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he's doing this besides Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Will any of these ibadat, will they help him? They will not help him at all subhanallah. They will be of no avail. This is why he said at the end, even though he is a great worshipper. Even though he is a great worshipper. And if you come with shirk, well, do you think Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept shirk? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not accept any shirk. Eight, the important issue of the, in, of the dua of Ibrahim alayhi salam for himself and his progeny because being the being the protection from worship of idols. And as we said, subhanAllah, that was the predominant thing as per the ayah of Surah Ibrahim. So Ibrahim made this dua because that was the prevalent thing, subhanAllah. He feared it for him and his progeny because the influence of idols in that time was great. The influence of idols and al-asnam was great in his time. Nine, that, that's, uh, nine that the acknowledgement of Ibrahim of the condition of most people that, yeah, يعني الناس, oh my Lord, they have indeed led astray many amongst the people. For subhanAllah, this is the ayah that comes after the one that we said. That means this is why he was scared. Because they have led a lot of people astray. What does it say here? They have led astray many amongst the mankind. These worship of the idols, you have to be careful of them. Subhanallah. This is why he feared them. Because he saw the effects of what they had done to the people. He saw the effects of what they had done to the people, which is why he feared it. Ten, an explanation of the meaning of the kalima, La ilaha illallah, there is nothing deserving of worship of true worship, there is nothing deserving of worship in truth besides Allah, as reported by Al-Bukhari. This one, subhanAllah, there was a lot of question marks around this one. This is where Sheikh Ibn Uthameen, he said, subhanAllah, this one maybe he should have left it out. And there's a whole chapter on this, Tafsir al-Tawheed, this one comes after, I think, this chapter. The Tafsir al-Tawheed, we're going to look at this one, so we'll leave it, we'll leave it at that, inshallah, when we get to that chapter, because it's not clear how this... This subhanallah, this mas'ala is, they said because it establishes la ilaha illallah and there was, Allah alam, I didn't really understand it. So I just put a question mark on this one and inshallah we'll come to the chapter, we'll describe it a bit further. And then 11, the, superior, the superiority of the one who is free from shirk because subhanallah their sins are removed and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will enter them into, will enter them into jannah inshallah, initially or eventually. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. أستغفرك وأتوب إليك وجزاكم الله خيرا